0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Jesus had just been baptized. He had gone to John, and John had taken him down into the Jordan River baptized him. I always get amused at one of the paintings that depicts Jesus and John down in the river up to waist high in the water and a little bit of water is being poured on Jesus' head. I think that's amusing because there's nothing in the scripture that indicates anything except total immersion as far as baptism is concerned. That's beside the point. It has nothing to do with the message. Immediately after the baptism of Jesus the Scripture tells us in that first verse in the fourth chapter that he went out into the wilderness where he spent 40 days and nights and the purpose was to let Satan tempt him. Sometimes we have the idea that as soon as we have gone through the waters of baptism that we drown Satan in the tub. And we come out without him. I have news for you. Satan doesn't drown easily. And there is no shield around us that keeps him from getting to us simply because we've been baptized or become a member of the church. As a matter of fact, I think we could find perhaps even the opposite is true, in that after our experience of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and our experience of baptism, he works harder on us at that time than perhaps any other time in our life. And those of us who are a Christian of many years, I am sure can testify to the fact that when we were young Christians, we had the extreme difficulties of trying to resist the efforts of Satan to pull us away from the faith that we had just proclaimed. And some of you who are new in the faith have told me with concern that you feel the pressures of Satan upon you trying to pull you away from that which you have just professed. Do not be shocked or surprised that this is taking place. It took place in the life of our Savior just as well. Satan is not satisfied that we have kicked him out of our lives. And he is going to do everything that he can to entice us, to seduce us to sin, to go against our conscience. He's going to try to get us to go contrary to the teachings of the church, to the teachings of our family, to the teachings of everything we know that is good and right, and somehow we have taken on a new perspective of Christians and we see things in a different light, and if he can, he's going to tear it down. Why would he not try? Why should we assume that he will not throw every possible obstacle at us and stumbling block in our way to get us to deny our faith, to get us to to be wayward, to get us to be less faithful than we ought to be? Because to do otherwise is going to take us away from him and we'll be solid in our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, Satan is going to tempt us to do wrong. That's Satan. Remember, the scripture says in James 1.13 that God does not tempt anybody to sin. God will not try to get you to sin, but God will allow Satan to deal with you. Because he needs to know, God needs to know, you need to know that you have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ and that you will resist the efforts of Satan to control you. It is necessary that we stand up against those things that are wrong and say no. We are not teaching our kids to do this today. And why do we not teach our kids to do it is because we ourselves are not very good at saying no to Satan. And so the pressures of society Tend to teach us to do whatever everybody else is doing. When it's time that we stand up and say no. And Satan himself will respect our response. And back off when he gets the point that we're going to say no. Now, the second side of this whole thing is God does test God does test us you remember back in Genesis chapter 22 that God told Abraham to take his only son Isaac and take him out to a mountain and there to offer him as a sacrifice the purpose of that little episode was to test Abraham to see if he were faithful God will expect you to do extraordinary things contrary to what you seem to think is right, contrary to what you think ought to be done to find out if you will be obedient under his command. He will do that. And I am afraid, tragically, that in your life and in mine, oft times he discovers that we are not very faithful. That he asks us to perform and we start backing off and saying no to God. We should be saying yes to God and no to Satan and we have those things reversed. Now the question that Jesus is dealing with is There anything that you and I deal with. God allowed him to be taken out into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights he searched his mind and heart to decide what he was going to do and not going to do. And at the end of that 40 day period the devil comes along and God allows the devil to put him to the test. To tempt him with every possible thing that Satan could think about. Because there needed to be settled in the life of Christ this question, will he or will he not yield to the influence of Satan? If he yields to Satan, he cannot be the Savior. And it's going to have to end right here. God would have to look for another. His own son had to be put to the test to determine if he could say no to Satan. he said no, then he would be able to be the Savior. You remember back in the book of Job, we preached about that some time back, that Job was a wealthy man and everything was going fine for him. And then the scene goes to heaven and Satan is in heaven before God and God asks Satan, where have you been? He said, down on earth. And God bragged a little and said, have you observed my servant Job down there? How upright he is and honest and all those things. And Satan came back with a charge and said, but you've put a hedge around him so that I can't get to him. You take that hedge down and you see what happens blaspheme your name if you don't have a hedge around him. God said, all right, I take down the hedge. Let's see. Here is Jesus in the wilderness now without a hedge around him, without God's protection. And it's going to be a contest between Jesus himself and Satan, and God is not going to prevent Satan from doing whatever he wishes to influence him. The question in your life and mine, when the head seems to be down, do we still stand faithful? Or do we have to have God protecting us at all times because we're too weak to say no to Satan? The testing came at the highest point of his experience when he had spent all of his time in the wilderness. And as I've already said to you who are young Christian, your testing will come early. You're going to be tempted quickly to do that which is not right in the sight of the Lord. He went out alone. There are some things that have to be done alone. Listen. I can preach to you to my dying day. But there is one decision that has to simply be made between you and your God. First of all, it's whether you're going to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I can't make that decision. This church can't make the decision. It's a personal decision. The second thing is, only the individual can decide if he's going to be faithful. Only the individual. It's up to you. And you alone. This Temptation to sin that Jesus went through was an internal thing. It was a problem of mind and heart. That's where it all is, folk. If you're going to sin before you commit the act, you will have made that sin in your heart. Then you will physically bring it into reality. Before you sin, your heart has been contaminated. Before you sin, your mind has been made up to do it. Before you deny the Lord Jesus Christ externally, you will have denied Him internally. Sin is internal, also so is righteousness. It's a matter of the heart, a matter of the soul. Now, will he do his father's will or will he not? Does he have the qualities that it takes to be a savior? This is not the only time he was tempted. You remember on one occasion that Peter rebuked him when Jesus said that he was going to go to the cross and die and Peter said, be it far from you, Lord. No, no, that's never going to happen. Jesus uh, called him Satan and said get behind me Satan. It was a tremendous temptation to yield to the encouragement of Peter and let Peter stand forth with his sword and defend the Lord. Jesus could have said "All right, maybe I should not go to the cross. Peter what do you think? And Peter has said we'll fight for you. He proved it by cutting off the ear of the soldier on the night of the 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 trail. And Jesus had to say, that's not my way. In the Gethsemane, when Jesus went by himself into the garden and there he bowed and he swept blood. He literally swept blood in his agony in dealing with the burden that was upon him. It could have been very easy for him to do like you and I do. And pray to God and say, Father, I've tried. Lord, you know how I've tried. I've tried to be faithful, but I just can't. I'm going to have to give up. I cannot do what you've asked me to do. I fail. But you know my weakness. After all, I'm only human. I just can't do it. But he didn't do that. He remained faithful to the will of his Father to the point of dying on the cross of Calvary because he loved you and me. Is it too much for him to ask that we remain faithful to him in our little things here upon earth? When our problems and our sufferings and our heartaches, our losses, cannot begin to compare with the thing that he did and yet remained faithful. Now let's look at the three things that Satan did with him. First of all, after the 40 days was over, he was very hungry. He had not eaten for 40 days and nights. He had spent that time in meditation and prayer. Most of us can't get eight hours without eating before we start grumbling. There are many people who will not come to church because they got back from a trip too late to eat supper and make it. We can't miss that one meal, but Jesus went 40 days and nights without eating because he was concerned about you and me. Can we not miss one meal just to worship him? Here he is hungry. Satan says to him, Hey, you've got the power. See those rocks lying there? Turn them into bread. And eat. Why not? Nobody's looking. Nobody will ever know that I used it for my own good. To satisfy my hunger. How many times do we look around and see... Well, nobody's really looking. I'll satisfy myself what I want without regard to what the Lord wants. He could have thought, gee, I'll take this power that I have and I'll go to town and I'll feed everybody and they'll flock to me and serve me and love me because I'm going to hand out food. I'll guarantee you That if any one person will stand on the streets of Danville or Madison or Charleston and announce that he will feed anybody who comes, load up their cars with groceries, and they can come back again and again without fail, he will always provide free of charge. There will be a line forever, 24 hours a day, because somebody is offering something. And what does the man get out of it? Some personal satisfaction perhaps. Yes, Jesus could have gotten a great following. People would have worshipped him had he been willing to provide this kind of thing. But Jesus knew that life is more than physical. And he said to Satan, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. We haven't learned that yet. We think that life is contained within what we do physically. We think all there is to life is eating and drinking and enjoying ourselves. That's what life is all about. You ask anybody on any street corner what life is about, and you'll get this kind of response. You ask your neighbors and your friends and perhaps ask each other in this church, and we probably will spend more time talking about life in relationship to personal gratification than we'll ever talk about life as being anything spiritual. We'll take care of the body, but our souls are drying up, are starving to death because we haven't provided anything for it to eat. Until we have fed our soul We should have little concern for our body. The second temptation that Satan gave to Jesus was he took him into town and they stood on top of the steeple in the temple, the highest point in town. There were crowds down there. Unlike today, this church sits empty with nobody around it except for a little bit of activity on Wednesday night and once in a while some other time and then on Sunday and morning and evening. But the rest of the time there's nobody here and somebody stood on the steeple of this church nobody would ever know he was there because of no one around to see him most of the time. This place was crowded and and Satan said, all you have to do is jump off the steeple down to the to the the pavement down there and the people will see you and it will be quite a sensation and everybody will look at that and say my how marvelous what a, what a great thing he's capable of doing we got to worship him sensationalism has its limits when i was a kid and went to the fair i was amazed at that guy who rode a motorcycle around inside of barrel. That was sensational. That doesn't excite anybody today. It now has to be Evil Knievel's jumps and the Chitwood's cars going over automobiles and the skydivers. Where do you fi- finally re- come to the sensational thing that everybody will be satisfied with and say this is the ultimate? Just watch TV and it's always trying to outdo the movie before in sensationalism. It becomes humdrum. That's what a lot of people want out of church. And that's why a lot of our television ministries attract the crowds they do because so much of it is based upon sensationalism. Some marvelous, outstanding event is taking place. The routine thing that goes on in our church and other churches is so dull and humdrum that nobody wants to participate in it. But listen. Salvation does not come through sensationalism. It comes from the internal heart of man recognizing that he's a sinner and wants to be saved. That might be accompanied with some sensationalism, but it's a hard, down-to-earth, practical decision that somebody needs to make. And our service of the Lord Jesus Christ is routine. And it may be dull at times, but it has its basis solid in Jesus Christ and in the Word of God. And it's not depending upon somebody doing some marvelous miracle all of a sudden. Because that will be yesterday's newspaper when the morrow comes. No longer of interest. Now Jesus wouldn't yield to that. Thirdly, he took him to a high mountain, probably Mount Everest. He had him look out over all the world, and Satan said, you see all of this? I'll give it to you. All you got to do is worship me. Hey, that sounds pretty good. That is the same lie that he's been telling you and me for years. give you wealth I'll see to it that you have a good job I'll make sure you have money in the bank that you enjoy life that you have a good time and there's nothing wrong with any of those things and Christians can have those as well but listen Satan makes his appeal to people by saying I'm going to give you something I'm going to give you something I'm going to give you something and he lies he lied to Jesus Because the world was not his to give. Man has been listening to that lie ever since Eve listened to it in the garden. When Satan said to Eve, eat the apple, you're not going to die. She did. Both eat the apple and she did die. Because Satan lied. When you listen to the lies of Satan, he'll painted up as a beautiful picture but let's pay more attention to the basics God's word is the foundation of our life I believe what is here and there aren't too many things that he says to me But what are based, well, no things, but what are based on fact. Nothing but what's based on fact. Not on somebody's sensational approach to something. There's a basic question that we need to ask. And we need an answer for it. First of all, are you expecting to enjoy this life because you're going to listen to the lies of Satan? Or are you willing to take the temptations and the trials and the difficulties that come because you know as a result God is going to bless your life as he did Christ, as he has done everybody who has remained faithful to him? This is the way we ought to be as Christian people. But then to those of you who maybe are not Christian. Don't wait for some sensational event to take place that sets you off. Just remember, the basic fact of the scripture is that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for the sinner. If you are one, he died for you. Put your mind to work. Let it link up with your heart. And just simply say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if that brings into you if you into an emotional state, that's great. But remember, Jesus resisted the devil in all things. Satan is going to say, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't need to do that. But yes, you do. You need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ.